make sure to have all of those terms because whichever platform or whichever legal weapon that you're going to use, or even a lawyer that you're going to hire, we're all going to ask you the same thing that what are your terms, you know? So first step is always to have those things. And then you have these other avenues that you could always explore for stolen content to get that removed. Hey guys, welcome to the Course and Funnels podcast. I'm here with Amira from a self-guru who's going to talk all things legal, all things course protection, everything down the, the legal side of course creation. So Amira, welcome to the podcast. Super excited to have you on. Thank you so much for the welcome. I'm really excited to be here. Great to have you here. So um, obviously, you know, I, I did a rough intro of the legal side of things, but maybe you could elaborate a little bit more. Tell us a bit about yourself, what you've been doing, what you're doing right now in terms of helping course creators and all that stuff. Absolutely. So hi, everyone. My name is Amira and I'm the business lawyer, blogger and entrepreneur behind a self grew the company that where we help entrepreneurs legally protect themselves either by working with me one-on-one or by simply downloading my done-for-you legal templates. So I became a lawyer after, unfortunately, watching my own dad's business get sued. So that's why you will hear me talk about the legal stuff so passionately because I have experienced the loss and the devastation and the nightmare of fighting a lawsuit firsthand when my own dad got sued. And that was really a very um, devastating experience to say the least, but also changed me for the better in the sense that I've learned that this is my true calling, that I wanted to help business owners and other entrepreneurs from making the same legal mistakes that, for example, my dad did. So after working as a lawyer for over a decade, you know, one-on-one in the traditional sense, I decided that, you know what, I want to take my legal and business expertise into the online space because there's so many entrepreneurs that need legal help. So that's where ASELF Guru was born. And now we have legal templates, we have a whole legal store, and then we also have services where you work with me one-on-one for any specific um, legal help that is tailored to your business. So that's me in a nutshell. Cool. Love it. Well, there's a, a, a thousand things to, to jump in, but um, I think the origin story there is amazing. You know? It's like something out of a movie or a, you know, like a superhero movie. You know, you're, now you're fighting against all the, you know, all the bad guys using the law. It's like very, very cool. I want to kind of have like almost you know, two parts of the interview. Number one, actually on the legal side of online courses. So you can speak about things like copyright and, and protection, but also actually speak about your, you know, info product business. Because even, you know, you have a really, really unique model, unlike most lawyers, but obviously, you know, you're doing the one-to-one kind of higher ticket stuff, but also you're selling templates and, and digital products and info products and, and generating revenue that way. So... From a, a course creation or kind of like a coaching perspective online, first of all, I guess, you know, what are the biggest legal mistakes you see most entrepreneurs making that, that are going to cause them problems? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So the first one, and this is a very recent one, and I see this honestly ever since I've been in business for a number of years now, I've seen this at least, I would say, multiple times, you know, um, and that one is that course creators just do not have any terms and conditions for their course. And I don't know why, but you guys really need to think about your course. If someone is purchasing from you, that's a business transaction between you and that person. And you have to protect yourself legally if you don't want to be, you know, responsible for 
um, you know, refunds, chargebacks, um, any of those exchange policies that you may have. You need to explain it very clearly, outline your terms and conditions. And most importantly, you also need to put notice in there to protect your intellectual property. Because when you create the course, if it's original work, you haven't stolen from anybody else, then you are the copyright owner of that work. And then one of the ways that you protect it is with these terms and conditions, you put people on notice that just because they download your course, you need to specify how long they have access to it, whether what are the terms, how they can use the materials, what, whether they can, you know, because you'll be surprised. So many people will resell and, and use your material and then create a, you know, a course that will be a direct competition to you. And then I've also had someone recently, and this is, was like an expensive course, a $2,000 course, and she uh, bought it and, and you know, she wants the refund and she's completely entitled to the refund because guess what? This course creator didn't even have a refund policy. So I have been on both ends of the situations where a course creator will reach out to me and be like, oh, we have this problem. Like, you know, how do I handle this? And I'm like, the easiest thing you could do is have terms and conditions. And then I also have people in my Facebook group. They're like, oh, we're not happy with this course. Um, what can we do? You know, can I ask for a refund? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Just look at their policy. You know, if it allows, then yes, if you're within the time frame, and then go ahead and, you know, request when you're legally entitled to it. So again, from both aspects, you want to make sure that both parties are on the same page. So don't make this mistake of not having terms and conditions. And because I know that it can be a little difficult to try to put all of these legal terms together yourself and or to Google and waste a lot of valuable time. So that's where I have created a terms and conditions template that gives you every single thing from a course creator's point of view that you would need to have to protect yourself. And also, uh, honestly, your students who are trusting you with all this information that you're providing. Love it. Okay, cool. So with the terms and conditions in that sense, obviously, let's say someone's selling an online course, they have a checkout page they have a sales page before that. Um, where, like, how do you kind of incorporate, you know, the terms and conditions into the funnel? You can kind of leverage, you know, lean yes. on that and be like, you know, you, you know, look, like, yeah. Yeah, no, I totally get it. And that's a great question, by the way. You're asking all the right questions. So the, yeah, so having terms and conditions is just one uh, part of the two-part process. First, you need to, of course, have terms and conditions. Then you need to post them on your website and on your sales page in the footer section, typically. Okay, that's where you would want to post them so that on your website, it's always accessible. And then on the sales page, also in the footer section. Now, the second most important step, which everybody that, trust me, a lot of people I know will miss this and they have missed this. Um, this is what is very important if you want to fight a refund claim or a chargeback claim or you just want to basically protect yourself from any of these uh, money losses. Then the second step is that when someone goes to purchase your course at the time of checkout, you need to have a legal consent from them. So you want to make sure that there's a click to accept option, wh whichever platform that you're hosting your course on or whatever you're using for product checkout make sure that there's a click to accept option at the checkout, which is going to legally bound them to your terms. And you would also need that as evidence if there's ever a chargeback situation, um, you can easily show that to the company, the credit card company, and refute it because you can just say, hey, look, we have this policy, this is our policy. You would give the policy to, the, to them because they would require that as evidence. 
And then you would also be able to show your click to accept option screenshot. So this way you're protected. And this is one of the ways that you could easily fight it. And then, you know, I also guide people like, hey, um, when it comes to these kinds of situations, like how do they uh, fight the chargeback situation? So these are some of the things that, you know, they have done like my clients and this is how they won those claims. But first, like I said, you need to have the policy, then you need to have an acceptance. Okay, so did you say you have a policy template on your website? Is that right? Yes, I have a terms and conditions template specifically tailored to course creators because I have so many course creators who wanted that. So I created a, a legal template which is just for them. And and quickly, where can people find it at, uh, right now? Oh, yeah, yeah, great question. So if you just go to my website, aselfgrew.com, and which I'm sure you'll have the link in the show notes. And then you just go to the legal store page that will give you all the different legal templates and bundles. And then one of them will be this one, the terms and conditions template for course creators. Love it. Just to be clear, it's like if if you have a, a funnel and you're selling a course on the sales page, on the checkout page in the footer, you should have some kind of your terms and conditions, rights, all that kind of stuff. And obviously have, have the refund policy on you know ideally on the sales page but also on that checkout but you know on that point of purchase before they kind of go to purchase we need to make them check i agree to the terms and conditions and then we can use yes. that if stripe or, or whoever else does a you know like a like a chart yeah cool. exactly okay. I love it. I love well, it. exactly yeah exactly no i want to one thing I'm, I'm curious and i want to jump in like to this idea with you is like the idea of you know of these guarantees and these refund policies so like i'm just curious from like a a legal perspective obviously it changes country to country even state to state but what like what are the limitations in terms of guarantees because i'm just saying you know a, a lot of the courses that that we work on right now maybe it's the same with, with your digital products but we try and do kind of action-based guarantees where it's like if you okay you know as an example let's say it's like you know, start a digital marketing agency course right there could be a, a guarantee where it's like you know you have to send out a thousand cold emails um and if yeah. you do that and not happy with the results um you know you'll get your money back as an example so it's like number one is that like kind of legally binding if that's in the terms and conditions and people check i agree is that enough to kind of like protect me if someone wants to like leave the course or what are my limits yeah, no, great question. Because you're the course creator, the good thing is that the good news is that you get to decide what your policy should look like. If you wanted no refund policy, you could have a strict no refund policy. If you wanted a guarantee, you know, 30 money back, uh, 30 day money back guarantee, for example, or this one where there's an action that they have to take, you can dictate those terms because you're the creator. You get to set like what those rules should be. But of course, you know, when you give any kind of an action item for them to do, it has to be reasonable. That's the standard, really. You know, you don't want to make it. Yeah, you don't want to make like something so difficult that the guarantee is then it's just a false pretense or something, you know, like you want it to be realistic, you want it to be reasonable. So a lot of times what people will have guarantees like, okay, demonstrate that you followed these steps in our course, and then you still haven't received the uh, results, then you're entitled to the refund within X number of days. And that's totally okay. You know, so as long as it's very reasonable related to an action step that they would have to take anyway, as part of the course to receive the results being promised, then that's okay. But if it's like something totally outrageous out of the scope, then of course, that is not 
I've seen some of them before. I've seen pitch decks like you know some of the biggest courses in Australia. These guys doing like I think like two, two or three million dollars a month. I got a little insider look at his pitch deck, and it's like the action items where you know they they kind of ran through them, and at the end they just covered them, and it's like five thousand a day, a hundred calls a day, and it's like you know like like no one's going to be doing this stuff. Um, yeah, so, that's, that's very yeah, which is which is wrong. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. I, I agree. Sure. Okay. When it comes to to chargebacks. I'm kind of jumping around, but like a random question. So a lot of our clients and a lot of people collect payments on Stripe, right? Yeah. Usually for, for kind of lower ticket, you know, products, if it's higher ticket, usually it's it's direct transfer. Can you tell me the difference about kind of like chargebacks and refunds in Stripe versus maybe, you know, like a, you know, like a Chase Bank payment processor or, or something, you know, where it's like a bank specific. Yeah. Explain kind of the, the difference in terms of collecting payments and protection. Yeah, absolutely. So what happens is, so you have a couple of options, right? Like if you use Stripe or PayPal, then you're mm-hmm. kind of bound by their terms when it comes to the chargeback um, evidence that you would have to provide, right? So if somebody files a chargeback claim, you as now the business owner ha- has to provide a bunch of information to them, such as the uh, receipt, right? You have to also provide your terms and conditions policy. You also have to also provide the fact that this customer accepted those terms. That's where that click to accept comes in and a bunch of other things that they basically give you a list of things that you need to provide. And the more evidence that you give, the more likelihood of you winning the chargeback. So when you have a Stripe and then when you have a PayPal situation, that's kind of what you have to do. Now, the second example or the second part, what you asked about like a direct relationship where there's a direct deposit to your account or or maybe a direct chase um, transaction. The one good thing that you could implement to really counter these chargebacks is an electronic signature. So for example, if it's a high ticket offer or something, I don't know, 5,000, 10,000, whatever it is, the amount, then you could always have, you can electronically send an agreement to the person, like outlining your terms and have them electronically sign it, like their actual signature. So that's a very, very strong evidence against these chargebacks because now you got like an actual signature, which is very hard to argue versus like, you know, a click to accept situation. Make sense? Cool. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll just add on that as well. Like in in the high ticket courses that we're selling right now, usually, well, well, pretty much all the time, that's what it is where it's like, if you're on a sales call with someone like this and it's like, okay, you know, have like a, a contract template ready that has all the pricing, has the guarantee, get them to sign it on the call and then kind of, you know, go into the payment or yes. go into the deposit. So um, that's, that is super important. And then, and then obviously, like you said, if you're with Stripe, they kind of give you pretty clear steps, even though it, uh, it doesn't always work out. It is pretty annoying some, sometimes. It's 50 you know, chance, right? It de- depends on bank and how they value it. You never really have full control. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no. I, I, uh, one of my friends' mums actually works for, for one of the biggest kind of like course creators on the planet. These guys are crushing, and she's kind of in charge of handling all the chargebacks. And they have like yeah. a really, really good system where they have like a full kind of Google Doc step by step by step by step dispute page that they just like copy paste everything in. And apparently, kind of they win them all. However, I just want to say this is an excuse for creating a shit product. Do you know what I mean? We're not saying go out and get refunds and win. It's like, you know, ideally nobody that does charge that. That's the goal. But, you know, it is always going to happen. Some people just kind of don't even tell you, you know what I mean? And, and, and kind of try, yeah. try and, yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, so, yeah, terms and conditions, having a contract, making sure that 
that things are illegal in the foot. One thing I want to speak about as well is actually protecting your course legally. Because some of the biggest scaling courses that we have, even kind of, you know, like ones online can be ripped off, right? Like yeah. people can just like sign up, download them, maybe get a refund or or whatever it is, and then post them online and sell it for, for $10, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm sure people watching yourself, maybe you've got some DMs on Instagram from being like, hey, I saw you like this course, you know, get it for, for, for $10. So how can people protect themselves from that happening? And if it does happen, how can they, you know, fix it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you have a couple options. Um, one is that you could always register your uh, content, course content, and protect it under copyright law. So copyright law protects anything that you create in tangible form, such as your uh, writing, your ebooks, um, your music, any of this stuff like course content as well. So you could always register that officially, and that gives you the power to le- take legal action against. I mean, I know it's a lengthy process. But at least you have some sort of a recourse. If that ever happens, you could always sue them for copyright violation and get lots of money because you will get thousands, thousands of dollars for violation. So that's one option. The second option is that you would obviously um, do what's called, you know, takedown notice, DM Digital Millennial Act, you know, DMCA takedown notice or whatever, wherever they're hosting this, you would have to contact a hosting company and you could also send them a cease and desist letter, which by the way, I have a free template on my website, which will basically put them on notice and let them know that, hey, you violated our terms. You basically copied all our content and you have this number of days to remove everything before we take legal action. So that's another uh, weapon in your you know toolkit that you could use. And that does work sometimes. And then contacting the actual company where the course is being hosted. You should also file a copyright claim with them wherever it is that they're they're putting it on. And then they also have a legal obligation to not remove the copyright violated um, content from their platform. So the other thing is, but before you can honestly do all of these things, the basic foundation still stays the same, which is you need to have those terms and conditions, because if you don't have anything, then there's no way for you to even prove that this is your course or that you gave anybody notice that they can steal your content. So first step is make sure to have all of those terms because whichever platform or whichever legal weapon that you're going to use, or even a lawyer that you're going to hire, we're all going to ask you the same thing that what are your terms, you know? So first step is always to have those things. And then you have these other avenues that you could always explore for stolen content to get that removed. Got it. Okay. So let me just recap because, because there was a lot there. So the first thing is, is going directly to the seller and kind of what was it like a um yes yeah, so can you first letter a cease and desist that's right i thought so okay so, so yeah. cease and desist then there's going to the actual website host yes. itself or the platform yeah. is that correct okay yes host platform wherever it is the content because the content could even be on a website it could be on a course platform where they're selling right so yes you would have to also file a copyright claim with them online how would you file a copyright claim with them online? Like if it's a random website where it's like, you know, cheapcourses.com or something, right? How would you find out kind of through to, yeah, so that that definitely becomes tricky. Like first, of course, you would do your research to find out where where they are, or what this website is, or what their hosting company is. Then contact it. Then contact their hosting company. 
So you would have to do a little bit of legwork. Um, but the good news is that there are companies out there that actually do help you with this kind of stuff, like getting stolen content removed. Um, it does cost, of course, a little money, but that is also an option. So they do all this legwork for you, the research, right? So you let them know, hey, this is what's going on. This is this is when who stole my content. So they will go ahead and then basically, before you take legal action, before you hire a lawyer and spend thousands of dollars, that's also an option where you can go and have them figure out like how to get this content down, taken down. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And if someone doesn't want to work with these lawyers and they want to do it themselves, you know, with the the website hosting, right, or the course hosting, is it just a matter of like sending a customer support email to their team, be like, hey, you know, these guys are, are stealing copyright yes. on your, okay. And then hopefully they'll take it down. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And if it's like, you know, if it's like a big platform, then they all have basically in their terms, there's even a section that mm -hmm. will say like, hey, if, th if this is a copyright issue, like I'll give an example. I'm not saying that the co course is going to be on Pinterest or Instagram, but I'm just giving an example that there are all these um, big platforms that will have actually a section in their terms for copyright violations that you could report. So just like depending on where this course is hosted, maybe Udemy or maybe somewhere else, like you can also see if they, if there is an option, if not, then yes, uh, contact the hosting company and then kind of go from there. Got it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And, and another thing, oh, sorry, another tip I will give is that it's also a good idea to use watermarks in your, you know, documents and stuff, because that will make it kind of harder for them to copy right so try to also do your due diligence make sure that every single thing that in your course if there's something that they're downloading a pdf or something then make sure to have your website name on it uh, make sure to have some watermarks i mean this is not to say that they can't just copy and create a new one but at least your particular one won't be just you know shared if it will be shared then it will have your info on it okay cool cool now i just want to kind of like really drill into this so so if if someone buys your course and they upload it and maybe it comes up on Google, right? If I search whatever, you know, uh, agency accelerated course and let's say that's my course name and kind of some free options come up if it's scaling and people are copying. If there's no, okay, so, so I can just contact them through the website using some kind of cease and desist templates. And then if that doesn't work, go to hosting, message their hosting, same thing this is what's wrong. And then if that doesn't work, potentially just go to an expert, like a legal expert and try and, you know, sue the hell yes. out of them. Right. Yes. All right, so, exactly. Okay, cool. Cool. This is really, really helpful. This is great. I want to jump into you know a little bit about you and how you have used info products and digital products as part of your whole business. So tell me around, you know, starting out kind of like as a lawyer, kind of going solo on your own thing and how these digital products came up. The story about, creating them and kind of how they're going so far. Thank you for asking that question. So initially, believe it or not, I thought I was going to have a business about self-employment because I was going to just use one of my hobbies. I've always had this entrepreneur spirit in me. Uh, you know, I was I used to be a model, then I became a teacher, and then I had my own side hustle. So I just have a, a vast number of experiences and creativity in me. So I thought I was going to have that kind of business. But then as soon as I started the online business, I had a lot of people, so I was blogging, right? So I was sharing a lot of valuable information for free, 
But then a lot of, you know, entrepreneurs just started asking me for one-on-one legal help. Hey, I don't have a privacy policy. Can you help me write one? I need a disclaimer for my website because I'm in a health and wellness niche or I'm in a personal finance niche and I don't want to get sued for something I'm publishing. So can you help me with that? Or I'm creating a course, you know, and I don't have terms and conditions. Can you write it for me? So I was getting a lot of, I was getting flooded in the sense like, and this is where I say that my audience found me, which is amazing. And I'm super grateful for. So that kind of, first I was doing it one-on-one, but then I realized that this is not practical because I can only help so many people one-on-one, but what if I just create templates, you know? This way I can charge way less and it will give you the same lawyer level protection, but it will be an instant download. You don't have to wait on me a week or something and you can get like, and it's like not even a fraction of the cost, you know, what it would cost to hire a lawyer like me. So I just thought that that was like a very good affordable solution and something very quick. And we also offer free updates. So if there's any changes on the laws, I will do all that legwork for you for free because you purchased from me. So I just... I just thought of that idea just out of the blue. And then we launched a bunch of, web, uh, you know, website legal pages that everybody know, needs, like privacy policy, disclaimer, terms and conditions. And then as the business started growing, more and more people started asking for additional stuff. Like, you know, okay, what about, you know, if so, if I'm hiring someone now in my business, I'm hiring a virtual assistant, like, what do you have a contract for that? Or if I am, uh, I'm working with a brand and they're paying me, but I don't trust their contract. Can you review it for me? Or can you write one for me? So that kind of just honestly just started the whole thing. And then I started offering services like where I could review stuff for people one-on-one if they wanted that option. But then I also have templates that, that gives you the same protection without like, of course, you know, depending on your budget, but it gives you the same level of legal protection and then very quick results, frankly. Awesome. Yeah. And how has the results of, of these products been if you like kind of how's it impacted your lead flow in your business and, and all that stuff? Yeah, it's been great. I I mean, the good thing about my business is that it is diverse. So I don't just mm-hmm. only make money from legal templates or my services, mm-hmm. although the bulk of it does come from that. I've been fortunate to have helped, you know, over 50,000 entrepreneurs now with, you know, working with me one-on-one or these legal templates. So definitely it has added a lot of value. Um, the results have been great. We have like, I don't know, like we have thousands and thousands of like five-star reviews, a lot of them, it's great, like um, no complaints there. But I also focus on affiliate marketing. So all the products and stuff that I relied on to create my business online, I also, mm-hmm. if they helped me, I become an affiliate. So that's another uh, revenue source. Cool. Um, but overall, like, you know, and then sponsorships, like working with brands. So the good thing about my business is that because I'm in the online space myself as an entrepreneur, I really understand as compared to other lawyers who, who are just in a brick and mortar situation. Unlike them, I completely am within it with you. So all of these things that we talked about, courses getting stolen, I have templates, I have products, I have to worry about the same exact thing that you do. Um, I have to worry about chargebacks just like you do, you know? So I have to worry about like having privacy policy on my site just like you do. So all of these products that we've, and, and same thing with contracts, you know, that I've created. So everything that when I create something, I am not looking at it from just a legal lens. I'm looking at it from a business standpoint as well, because these are things that I personally also use to help protect myself and my business, you know? Yeah, I love it. One thing 
I want to chat about as well is disclaimers and claims, right? So, so obviously there's like the FTC and all these kind of legal yeah. regulations and you can't go and say, you know, I guarantee I'll make you a millionaire, right? So yes. obviously this is, you know, this is a little bit of a gray line. We're going to be tiptoeing it, you know, uh, a blurry line, but, but kind of in terms of, you know, from a, a direct response and a copy perspective, even kind of, you know, testimonial perspective, what can we say? What can't we say? How does it work in terms of, you know, making claims and, and, and sharing information? I, I know there was a little bit of changes in some kind of FTC financial stuff, but, but I'm curious yeah. kind of what yeah. you think about that. Yeah, great question. So FTC stands for Federal Trade Commission. So that's the agency that regulates um, some of the things that we do online, such as including the privacy policies and that we're being. So the key to remember here are two things. One, you got to be transparent. And second, you can't be misleading or false in your advertising or anything that you're sharing, right? So this is where those claims where, oh, I guarantee this will happen. And then you'll see disclaimers that that we're not promising anything. These are just used as examples. Why are they doing that? Because they don't want to get in trouble by the Federal Trade Commission. So these are things that you need to do. So anytime that you are going to be sharing information in your course, it's always a very wise idea from not just from a Federal Trade Commission rules perspective, but also from a business perspective, you don't want to get sued for something that you're promising and then you don't deliver or it doesn't happen. And that can happen too. So that's why those disclaimers come in. F uh, Federal Trade Commission basically says that be honest, be transparent, and also don't be misleading and false in your advertising. And then if you have a financial incentive to gain by sharing something, for example, affiliate marketing, then you are also legally required to give affiliate disclosures under those rules. So for example, let's say, um, Lucas, I am an affiliate of your course and I want to share it and I'm going to get whatever percentage commission if somebody purchases from my link. Now I have a financial incentive for sharing your course with my audience. And same thing if you want to become an affiliate for my legal templates, same thing, vice versa. So, But before we start having that transaction and before we start sharing it, we also need to give affiliate disclosures, letting people know whether it's through an email that we're sharing or on social media or on a blog post. We need to disclose that this is an affiliate link and that you're, you know, you're going to gain some sort of a financial gain. And so usually the language is that you know, this email may contain affiliate links, which means that I will earn a small commission at no extra cost to you. See full disclaimer here. So that language is directly from the Federal Trade Commission's, you know, guidelines, and it complies with that. So this way, if Federal Trade Commission can't come after you for saying that, hey, you didn't disclose, you didn't do your due diligence, because there's been a lot of influencers I know a lot of people that have gotten in trouble for not disclosing. So they're just randomly posting on Instagram, they're randomly posting on YouTube, and they're not disclosing the fact that they're going to gain some financial incentive from this or reward from this. So they're just like, um, they have gotten in trouble with uh, from the Federal Trade Commission for not doing that. So you don't want to ever do that. Same thing for sponsorships. Let's say a brand wants to pay you to create something, a video post or whatever, you need to disclose that it's sponsored, that it's ad, or, you know, that it's basically some sort of some way for your audience to be aware of the fact that um, this is not just a, a, just a regular link, that you got something to gain from it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Totally. Definitely. I, I love it. I love it. Maybe we can do a sponsorship. I can sponsor a self guru on this podcast. We can have a little ad for your templates. I think it'd be awesome. I think it'd work really well, you know? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
Cool. I, I guess from a from like a legal perspective, or even just you know like a like a business perspective, when it comes to creating online courses and selling them, are there any other other kind of tips or, or pitfalls or advice you would give to the listeners to help you know protect themselves? Yeah. Absolutely. So you you got to be very mind. And we kind of briefly talked about it, but maybe didn't elaborate much. Was that you want to be very careful about you know testimonial release, like make sure to get testimonial releases from people that are giving you testimonials because you don't want to be liable down the road for any kind of privacy violations or rights to their information because of after all it's like public information and if they didn't give you that you know that green light then you could get into trouble so I what we do is what I do is like I have like a media release agreement that I have incorporated as part of my terms and conditions so anytime remember we talked about the click to accept so anytime somebody goes and purchases from me, they've automatically given me the permission to be able to use their name and their testimonials and, you know, things like that in my business promotions. So you want to be able to, again, do that to protect yourself because that could also lead to a legal violation. And even like when I have given testimonials, I'll give you an example. I was an Amy Porterfield student, and I remember that when I uh, decided to give her a testimonial, she did it the right way. She sent me the testimonial release. I literally signed it. That's also a great option. Or if you don't want to go through the whole signature thing, then incorporate them into your terms and conditions. So this way you have some sort of an accept, uh, acceptance and proof that you're not going to be legally then later on liable for damages. So you want to do that. And then we talked about a little bit about guarantees and, you know, promises. Just always be very careful about what promises and what guarantees that you're making because it can come back and bite you. So you want to be very careful with the language and make sure that, you know, if you are going to promise something, then it's real that you are, you know, that you really like, for example, you could say something like, I do promise that you will gain some valuable information. That's okay. But don't promise that, oh, I promise you're going to earn 5,000 out of this, you know, that you don't have any control over and you really can't genuinely promise that. So don't make guarantees that you can't fulfill, protect yourself, cover your butt. And also like give those disclaimers, right? Like on the sales page, in the terms and conditions. And usually you want to say something like, hey, all of these testimonials, the results displayed are for informational purposes. These are just examples. We're not, you know, individual results will vary, things like that. So mm -hmm. again, cool. if you, yeah. So those are some of the things that you want to definitely keep in mind. Love it. Cool. Well, I really, really appreciate you coming on. When you look towards wrapping up, that was like a great recap summary of, you know, the, you know, a lot of the conversation, you know, a lot of the gold bits. I feel like this is, you know, maybe not as sexy as like, you know, Facebook ads or marketing or scale, but like this is like really, really important stuff because like getting this wrong can, you know, literally ruin your business. You know what I mean? Kind of like if, especially if you're selling high, higher ticket and then kind of you don't have proper protection in place, you know, chargebacks and refunds and all that kind of stuff is going to hurt you. So I think it, it doesn't get spoken about enough. And obviously, you know, you're killing it. You found an amazing niche. There's obviously a, a need there, which is why you're crushing. So I really appreciate you you coming on. Thank you so much. And if All anybody good. wants a free legal guide, that's going to walk <laughs> you through some of the other legal mistakes that you don't want to make in your business. We talked about terms and conditions, but if you have a business, there are a bunch of other things that you could also do wrong, then I highly encourage you to get that free legal guide from my website as well. Cool. And where exactly, again, do they go to find that? Yeah. So um, I'd be happy to share the link with you or um, if, if, you know, if you, that you could share or otherwise just simply go to 
aselfgrew.com. And once you go on my website, you will go under the freebies page and you'll just see the free legal guide as the very first one. And that's going to walk you through, honestly, the three most common legal mistakes that I see business owners, entrepreneurs making all the time, but it's also going to give you solutions. So that way you can implement and uh, protect yourself from the very beginning. Cool. And that was aselfguru.com, correct? Correct. Awesome. Cool. Well, Amira, thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. A lot of gold here. This was awesome. Thank you.